VCY America presents Crosstalk, a nationwide call-in program discussing issues that have an effect on our families, our communities, our churches, our nation, and our world. Crosstalk, an opportunity for you to voice your concerns for biblical principles. And now live by satellite and around the world on the Internet at vcyamerica.org. Here is today's Crosstalk. We do thank you for joining us on Crosstalk today here on VCY America. Ladies and gentlemen, tomorrow is a critical day for these United States of America. Tomorrow, Tuesday, November 8th, citizens across this country will be going to cast their votes in what I believe to be the most uh, critical midterm election that uh, we've seen in our lifetimes. Uh, There is much at stake. So we're going to delve right into it because addressing what's before our nation, we do welcome back Matt Staver, founder and chairman of Liberty Council. He's a constitutional attorney, three landmark cases before the U.S. Supreme Court, author and host of the radio broadcast Faith and Freedom and Freedom's Call, has authored numerous books. Matt, thank you for joining us here today on Crosstalk. Thank you, Jim. It's a very important day that's coming up tomorrow in our nation's future. It really is. And Matt, just as as we talk about this day of November 8th, we know there's been a lot of, of uh, early voting that's happened all across the nation. There's a vast majority of people who wait for tomorrow, Election Day. Just break it down for us, Matt. What do you see at stake for this nation? Well, you know, when you look at, for example, the United States Senate, uh, that is evenly split, 50-50 with the tiebreaker with Kamala Harris. So it's in the Senate that a lot of the terrible bills in the U.S. House that have been passed without any problem because they have a majority, which they likely will lose after tomorrow's election. They've been able to pass all the terrible bills, such as the most liberal abortion bills, several of them, the disrespect really more likely is what it's called. It's called the Respect for Marriage Act. That's a same-sex marriage, but also opens up Pandora's box in so many other ways with regards to authorizing one state to impose its laws on the other states, including child bride marriages and so forth and so on. All those pass through the House. The only reason why it's been stopped in the Senate is because it's a 50-50 tie. Now, on the marriage bill, the same-sex marriage bill, the abortion bill, They have 52, 54 votes because they have a couple of Republicans that are joining the 50 Democrats, but they don't have the 60. But they're trying to get close enough to the 60 to pass these bills. That's how close it is. So really what's on the ballot tomorrow is not just the candidates, but it's these values, the values of marriage as the union of a man and a woman, the issue of LGBTQ, the whole issue of puberty blockers, whether You're going to have puberty blockers freely given out to children having their healthy body parts mutilated and all of the LGBT indoctrination that's happening within the Department of Education and so many other facilities and schools around the country. Abortion through nine months, including much more funding, more liberal than Roe versus Wade. So much more, including border security. That's on the ballot. All these other issues about nuclear war. You know, if you go back, for example, 50 years ago this month, 50 years ago, we were on the brink of nuclear war with Moscow, with the Soviet Union, because of their military bases that they built and their nuclear warheads that they brought to Cuba. That was under a Democratic president, John F. Kennedy, who was weak on foreign policy, who, by the way, had his brother collude with Russia to help him win with uh, the Soviet Union. They felt he was the weaker candidate, so Russia got involved to try to sway the election to John F. Kennedy. He won because he was weak on foreign policy. His weakness within two years brought us to the brink of nuclear war. Biden's weakness within two years is bringing us to the brink of nuclear war with regards to, again, the threats coming out of Moscow and the empowerment of Iran. So all of these issues really are on the ballot. We're talking about whether or not Iran becomes a nuclear power, whether we'll have security on our border. And we can talk about some of the horrible things that are happening down there that the media is not covering. Abortion, sanctity of human life funding abortion, the child, you know, puberty blockers, mutilating surgery, all the indoctrination, the military, the abuse that the military is facing, all these mandates, it's all on the ballot. Yeah. So it's a 
very critical day in America's history. It really is. And Matt, beyond just the candidates and where they stand on these issues, there are some states that actually have abortion on the ballot as a referenda question. I mean, some that that are going to, I think, of like Michigan, for instance, uh, Proposition 3 that will expand abortion uh, in, in their state up until, the, what, the moment of birth? And, and on top of that, also give away for, you know, the puberty blockers and 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 the uh, cross-sex hormones and everything to be given to, to young people without parental knowledge and consent. I mean, the, they will have a very significant ballot issue. Other ballot issues going on in, in abortion in other states as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's a big, big issue that's happening all over the country. And, uh, you know, Michigan's going to be a big state to, to watch. They're, they're pouring in millions and millions of dollars to try to pass this uh, hastily put together initiative that would put abortion in the Michigan Constitution. Uh, but there's so many other states that are going the other way as well. You know, we won this huge victory at the United States Supreme Court in the Dobbs decision on June 24 overturning Roe v. Wade and Planned Parenthood versus Casey. But now the battle is really on the state level. And many states are going a very strong pro-life, but there's others like, you know, Michigan want to go even further than Roe versus Wade went yeah. and continue the slaughter and the innocent uh, lives being uh, killed and brutally tortured in their states. So, so much is on the ballot for Christians and other believers, people of values. You know, I, I think that it is a critical time. Forty-plus million people have already cast their ballots, but most people will cast their ballots tomorrow. And we need to vote our biblical values. Voting is the appointment of an agent who acts on our behalf, who binds us. That's what agents do. We can't be in Washington, D.C. or in some of these other places, whether it's local or state, all the time to represent our values. So we appoint someone to represent our values. That person acts on our behalf, and they we need to make sure that that person, whoever that person is, is consistent or most consistent with our values. Matt Staver with us today from Liberty Council. As Matt pointed out, who uh, the vote tomorrow will determine which party is going to have control over the U.S. Senate. It will determine which party is going to have control over the U.S. House of Representatives. Every seat in the House of Representatives on the ballot tomorrow uh, in this election. Uh, Matt, this is also going to have a huge impact upon the states. Uh, who is going to be in control of the, the state legislative bodies? The governors, many governor seats are up for election. Attorney generals, we have seen what lax attorney generals have done uh, and district attorneys have done with George Soros, uh, you know, funding behind them and, and the chaos that has come into this nation. I mean, when we think about that, the impact, yes, on the national level, but the state level, too, it's going to have a huge impact upon this nation. Yeah, for example, you look at the state of Kentucky. Uh, this is just an example of a very good attorney general, Attorney General Dan Daniel Cameron. Uh, he is very solid. He was very good in the church restriction cases when we were litigating in Kentucky on behalf of Maryville Baptist Church, and we won twice at the Court of Appeals. He filed amicus briefs supporting our position. Well, in a couple of uh, days, uh, actually uh, November 15, he's going to be arguing at the Kentucky Supreme Court in defense of the sanctity of human life, in defense of a pro-life law that has been passed in the Commonwealth of Kentucky. That's the kind of attorney generals that we need, those that reflect our, our values of life, of marriage, of freedom. You know, so much is on the ballot, and really what will happen tomorrow is going to be determining our future, not just in the next two years, but really for a long time. We have gone through a significant decline in America in the last two years under Joe Biden. Uh, Joe Biden has become a mockery, not only in the United States because of all the gaps he does, but also around the world. And we are living at a very critical, explosive time with China, Russia, and Iran. Those particular areas, not even counting our border. You know, I was talking to a filmmaker, for example, and he said that this one ranch of a person who lives on the border, they found over 100 bodies dead on his property. Mm. These are people who have come across the border. They're either killed or they die because of thirst. The media doesn't report on this. But he also said that a lot of people are coming across the border from Venezuela, Nigeria, and some of these are military-looking young men. Uh, they're not your typical so-called refugee 
uh, it is a real serious threat to our national security, and they're coming across the border by hundreds and thousands. Uh, there's a huge, you know, decline in America. People feel it in their pocketbook with the rise of inflation and the rise of gas prices. So all of that can change through elections, and tomorrow is a big, big step in all of these directions. Let me just mention here on the abortion issues, voters in California, Montana, Michigan, Vermont, and Kentucky all are going to have abortion-related state ballot measures that really is going to determine the future of whether uh, there is the the right to so-called right to kill a child in the womb uh, or protect that baby in the womb. Uh, those states dealing with matters pertaining to it. Uh, we also see, uh, as we mentioned, a number of states that are voting on governors. Matt was talking about the uh, the, the illegal, uh, illegal immigration issue. Over two million encounters, ladies and gentlemen, have happened at the border in the last fiscal year here in the United States of America. And and uh, how are we going to be treating? I mean, even if, Matt, it's an illegal alien that, that uh, you know, had this um, alleged action against the husband of Nancy Pelosi, uh, you know, at, at their residence. This is somebody who's in the country illegally. And we're seeing this uh, prop up in other locations as well, the, the violent crime that's happening. This election is going to have a bearing on the impact of laws that are coming forth or who's going to be holding hearings and what can we do to... To protect the security of this nation. Yeah, you know, take for example uh, the illegal, uh, you know, just hundreds of thousands of people, several million actually, over Biden's time already crossing the southern border. We don't know who these people are. Uh, we don't know how where they go. They're just released. They're, they're caught and released. They don't show up for these hearings. They just dissipate within our system. We don't know who they are. We don't know what kind of background. We don't know if they're coming here because they, they want to start a, a new life and enjoy freedom, or they want to do some you know evil um, act against someone, or just they're just generally bad actors. We know that there's a number of them that are generally bad actors. We know the fentanyl, for example, is being uh, trafficked over the, the border in record numbers. Uh, one of the people that this uh, filmmaker that I was talking to about a week ago said, is a husband and wife from Nigeria were crossing the river with their baby. They got swept up in the water. Uh, they drowned. They were able to rescue the baby, but they had to medevac it to a hospital where it died. They found out that the baby had been sexually molested by the cartel. So these people are coming over, whether they're by uh, cartels or gangs or coyotes. They're coming over. Uh, they're saying that they can bring them across the border. And then when they get in the caravan, uh, they're demanding their their little girls as a payment, and if you don't give that to them, they will kill everybody. I mean, it it is a horrible humanitarian crisis, and it's a major national security crisis as well. We're going to take a quick break here on Crosstalk, and when we come back, folks, uh, we're going to continue to uh, outlay for you the issues at stake here for tomorrow, including a statement that came out from the president of the Human Rights Campaign as it relates to LGBTQ-related issues and the election taking place tomorrow. Election Day is just ahead. We're discussing it today on Crosstalk. Matt Staver from Liberty Council, their website, lc.org, lc.org. We'll be right back. Back to Genesis with Dr. John Morris, scientist and author with the Institute for Creation Research. Dr. Morris, before the fall of man, did animals suffer? Chris, the Bible says at the end of creation week, things were very good. Things would live forever with no pain or death. With Adam's sin came the wages of sin. But evolutionists believe that animals lived and died long ago. In fact, the dinosaurs went extinct before man even got here. And yet some of them lived with great pain. A recent discovery of a T-Rex fossil shows this. This dinosaur was quite old when it died. Earlier, it had suffered a broken leg and broken ribs, which had healed. It lived in terrible pain. Now, I don't think that this pain is the result of creation. It's the result of sin. 
it's certainly not very good as God pronounced his completed creation back in Genesis. To learn more about creation, get our free DVD called That's a Fact. Call us at 800-628-7640 and mention the promo code FACT. You're tuned to Crosstalk here on VCY America with Election Day just ahead. Matt Staver with us from Liberty Council, their website, lc.org. Much we want to unpack here, even in this next segment. Uh, Matt, I saw an article that came out uh, from uh, the Michigan Advance, and this is uh, quoting the president of the Human Rights Campaign. Her name is Kelly Robinson. And uh, the it's, article starts, after an onslaught of right-wing attacks on the LGBTQ plus community over the past few years, incoming human rights campaign, President Kelly Robinson says she is hopeful that the tide will turn on Tuesday. But listen to this uh, quote that, that uh, Kelly Robinson gave. This, I think, is a chance all across the country for folks to really decide and make it clear that we're not going back. We are going forward, and we know exactly the candidates that will take us there. Um, As it relates, and she's talking directly to the LGBTQ rights, but Matt, very adamant, we are not going back. No, they're not. And take, for example, uh, the Respect for Marriage Act. Uh, that's going to come up for a vote after the midterm on November the 17th. That's the planned vote. They pushed it after the midterm so that they could get a couple more Republicans. They have about 54 votes right now. And uh, that would make a federal law, same-sex marriage across the country. But it also enables one state to impose its state laws on another state. So, for example, California has no marriage age limitation, and so there's a real problem in California, also in Louisiana, with no marriage limitations for age with regards to so-called child bride marriages. They're horrible situations. You also have what's going on in Utah where they're not prosecuting polygamy. No one's ever been prosecuted in the last 50 or 49 years. And even now, it's just basically like a traffic fine if you get caught with uh, polygamy in Utah. Uh, Even Senators um, Tammy Baldwin from your state of Wisconsin, Democrat, and Susan Collins from Maine, Republican, who support this bill. They're trying to get some additional Republicans. They've acknowledged that this particular bill would open the door to polygamy. They pawned it off as a drafting error, but it was no error at all. That's what they're pushing. The human rights campaign is pushing that. So even no matter what happens tomorrow, they're going to continue to push that. Uh, They're bringing um, big corporate lobbyists to Washington, D.C. to try to garner a few more votes, either to get six more, five more Republicans to pass the 60-vote threshold to overcome the filibuster, or absent that, to even try to push to abolish the filibuster, and all they need is 51 votes to do that, and they're very, very close. Hmm. They just need two more votes to do it, because they have 48 Democrats on board and to abolish the filibuster. They just need uh, two more, whether it's uh, two more from uh, Murkowski or Collins on the Republican side or Sinema or Manchin on the Democratic side. So a lot is at stake. Human rights campaign is really pushing its agenda, I think they're going to be disappointed in the response of the election tomorrow for them, but they are continually, they're not going away. And they're trying to, and they're making you know a lot of effort uh, because they're putting a lot of money into elections and into lobbying these candidates and these uh, elected officials once they're in office. Matt, um, th- there are other issues that are going on, too, besides the, the matters on the ballot and the candidates and so forth. And that is uh, some of the things that are going on behind the scenes with social media. And and uh, w- there are many that are uh, still wondering, are, the, are the, the, the plagues of the 2020 election going to be part of the 2022 election? Daily Signal just reported uh, uh, about a House Oversight Committee, uh, Republicans kicking off an investigation, what they're calling a tax taxpayer-funded censorship campaign at the Department of Homeland Security. Very disturbing information that's coming forth about government agencies working with social media companies to to uh, uh, impact uh, what stories are, are, are buried and what stories are coming forth when people do searches? Yes. You take, for example, uh, these investigations, these committees, uh, even the January 6th committee, 
uh, you're going to, if you have a change, finally allow Republicans in the House side to be able to have some real investigative committee hearings. One of them that they need to do is on this issue that you're talking about, the Department of Homeland Security. Uh, what is happening there is very concerning. It's been going on at least since 2019 when the deep state in the Department of uh, you know, Homeland Security started to formulate a long-term plan. And then after Biden got in office, they started to implement it more, uh, particularly now. It came out this year manifesting itself with the uh, Disinformation Governance Board. That got so much pushback because it was so visible. They said, well, we're going to disband it. I felt that they were doing that. And from a public standpoint, it was a PR disaster. But they were going to continue to move forward. And that's exactly what they've been doing. The Intercept has uh, obtained information uh, through various kinds of public records requests. Some of it comes from the Missouri Attorney General lawsuit uh, regarding the government's collusion and forcing these uh, social media platforms to censor certain things with regards to the election, the withdrawal of Afghanistan, um, COVID, COVID shots, alternative treatment, and so forth. So the government has been really, really the one that has um, used the social media platforms to censor anything that the Biden administration doesn't want us to hear or say. And that's a real concern. That needs to be stopped. It's not going to happen if you, you don't have committee hearings. And right now, for example, you know, Ron Johnson, Republican in Wisconsin, he's been wanting to have hearings, and he's held some events regarding what's going on in the military. But because he's in the minority, it's not a real full-blown hearing because the Democrats are crushing that, and they're not allowing those hearings to go forward. So what you would see if you ultimately have a change of parties in control, Republicans, for example, rather than Democrats, are some real hearings that are really critical. Border security, what you just talked about with regards to the censorship of the Department of Health and Human Services, or the Department of Homeland Security, and then also uh, with regards to the military and so much more. Matt, um, I know with this, uh, too, there's there's concern about uh, the integrity of the vote tomorrow. And I, I saw a release from Frank Gaffney today from Center for Security Policy, where he is uh, in his commentary saying much of the news heading into tomorrow's election is inspiring. Many Americans have already voted and millions more are set to do in person on Tuesday with the prospect of a level of turnout possibly unprecedented for midterms. It's, and then he said, it better be because we need to ensure that the vote is too big to steal. Your comment on that issue? Well, I agree with him. I certainly do. You know, in fact, uh, this is one of the things that the Department of Homeland Security is trying to censor. Anybody who believes that the elections of 2020 were fraudulent or that there was uh, misappropriation or there were people that were doing illegal things with these mail-in ballots, anybody who raises that, they have a portal specifically for Facebook where they go in and they t flag these things to be taken off of Facebook. They don't want anybody to talk about it. But I think uh, Frank Gaffney is right. It needs to be an overwhelming response. I think we're going to see an overwhelming response so that it is too big to steal. You know, for example, with regards to the Latino population, there's some interesting things that are happening with the Latino population. Uh, they are more innately within their community, more pro-life, pro-family, pro-marriage as the union of a man and a woman. Uh, they're not buying into this LGBT, transgenderism. And what you're seeing happen, I think you're going to see record numbers of Hispanics voting Republican for the very first time. Those numbers have been increasing since uh, President Donald Trump ran for office. Uh, but I think you're going to see even a bigger uptick with regards to that in the midterms. Matt, another issue that we've not really talked about here today is a matter of uh, energy policy. And I know over the weekend, uh, uh, President Biden uh, was making his stump speech. Uh, he was uh, in New York. Uh, just yesterday, and uh, then there was a question that was shouted out to him, and uh, the question wasn't picked up on the microphone, but uh, Biden's answer was clear, no more drilling. There is no more drilling. I have informed any new drilling. 
And then uh, we see also that uh, it reiterated his comments from before that about shutting down coal mines yeah. uh, across this country. And we see, I mean, we're being warned as to the higher energy costs that are going to hit everybody this this coming heating season. Um, and we know what's taking place across Europe right now, and we're pledging to uh, really see that happen upon uh, United States citizens as well. But it's 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 him that's giving this mantra of of shutting down coal mines across this nation. The White House is trying to do some backpedaling on this right now. But we also have the M- Michigan Lieutenant Governor under Governor Whitmer. Uh, uh, his name is Garland Gilchrist, up for re-election with Whitmer, and uh, also has promised supporters at a rally in Ann Arbor. We shut down more coal plants in the second term of this whole matter of energy. People really have their ears perk up. Well, the interesting thing is that uh, Senator uh, Joe Manchin from West Virginia, who's in a big coal mining state. Yes. He actually pushed back and uh, he said that Biden is uh, not in touch with reality. Uh, you're not going to be able to shut down, nor should you shut down these coal plants in favor of wind and solar. It's just not going to happen. Uh, but clearly what Biden's intention is, is to eliminate all fossil fuels and to literally shut down all of these coal mines or other fossil fuels and then move over to, you know, the other alternative sources such as wind and and uh, solar. Uh, but, you know, the interesting thing, there's a lawsuit uh, from Minnesota against California with regards to California's law that requires uh, these all these vehicles by a certain uh, year to be electric-powered uh, with no CO2 emissions. And what Minnesota, which is a, you know, a blue or at least a purple state, depending upon you know, the situation there, is suing another blue state, California, over this issue because they said, well, you know, that, that, may, that may work for you in California, but it doesn't work very well in a very cold state like Minnesota because the batteries have 40% less battery life in a cold state than it does a sunshine state like California. So all of these ideas that this is going to replace fossil fuel is just fictitious, but from a consumer standpoint, we've seen the effect of Biden's uh, energy policy, yeah. and it has hit everybody in the pocketbook. Uh, you know, when uh, Trump left office, uh, gas was around two dollars and thirty some cents, and then in the summer it hit five dollars uh, a gallon. Um, despite the fact that Biden says it was reversed, mm-hmm. uh, that it was at five dollars a gallon when Trump left, that was ab- absolutely ridiculous. It's five dollars a gallon this summer under Biden, and it's because he shut down all of the. XL pipeline and all the other efforts to be able to have us energy independent, which we were just two years ago. Matt, uh, tomorrow election monitors are crucial, are they not? No, they're very critical. And here's an example, uh, state of Virginia. Virginia went very blue, governor, house, and senate. And it was blue for two years. And because of that, they passed every conceivable bad law and policy you could imagine because they were able to just roll it through uh, because of their majorities in all three areas. The people of Virginia pushed back and they just got tired of it. I think that's what we're seeing on a national level as well. They 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 were under that rule for two years and it was oppressive. Mm-hmm. But they still had the bad laws because Virginia didn't have any voter reform laws because they had the Democrats in power. But what they did was they trained poll watchers and they were able to eliminate voter fraud and you had this overwhelming historic red wave in the Commonwealth of Virginia. Friends, we're going to take a quick break. Matt Staver with us from Liberty Council. If uh, you would like to get on board with us today, our number 800-733-9829. That's 800-733-9829. Back in a minute. Scripture says that as it was in the days of Noah, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. We're reminded from Genesis that every imagination of the thoughts of man's heart was only evil continually. Christ also spoke of impending wars, ethnic conflicts, spiritual deception, famines, pestilences, and earthquakes in various places. It sounds like today's newspaper headlines, yet many people are oblivious to the times in which we are living. 
In the book, It Could Happen Tomorrow, Dr. Gary Fraser presents future events that will shake the world. He writes of the Great Disappearing, America in Prophecy, the birth of the New World Order, the Islamic invasion of Israel, the Great Deceiver, a global religion, the Temple rebuilt, the Mark, and the Glorious Appearing. The book presents both a message of hope to those who know Christ as Savior, as well as a message of warning to those who do not. It Could Happen Tomorrow is available for a donation of $15 or two copies for a donation of $25 by calling VCY America at 1-800-729-9829. You're listening to Crosstalk here on VCY America. Matt Staver with us from Liberty Council. Their website, lc.org, lc.org. Tomorrow, Election Day here across the United States of America. And friends, as we were just talking going into the break about uh, the poll watchers and the critical nature of, uh, you know, integrity, what even happens in that center. I see an article that just came out from Todd Starnes uh, today and uh, published today. And here it says poll worker removed for pre-selecting a straight Democratic ticket. And uh, he gives a story of a person who was showing people how, how the system works, but would hit the straight Democratic Party and then leave the people. And they wondered, how do how do we erase this? How do we, you know, recycle this back? And they had to call another poll worker in. And, and then they uh, certainly the another poll worker called to the attention of the administrator there of the election to uh, let let these incidents be made known and understand that uh, the person was removed from that position. But, Matt, if people go to the polls and they see these kind of irregularities taking place, they need to say something. They do need to say something. The good news is that I think there's been a lot more training. I know a lot more people that are involved in poll watching this year than ever before, and it was a reaction to what happened in 2020, and that's Mm -hmm. what happened in Virginia. You know, they didn't have any new reform laws, as we were saying before the break. They had the old laws that they had, the same ones that were in existence in 2020. But what ultimately happened is they went to the polls. These people volunteered. They got trained to do poll watching. And they were able to minimize any kind of fraudulent or irregular activity like what you just talked about and others at the polls on the day of the election. And they were there to monitor and report things uh, when they saw irregularities. As a result of their efforts, uh, there was less concern with regards to the results of the election, and the people turned out in mass, and there was a huge red wave. So now, instead of a Democratic uh, House and, and Senate and, and governor's mansion, you've got a pro-life Christian governor, lieutenant governor, and attorney general, as an example, mm-hmm. and you have a huge change in the legislative body as well. You've never had uh, the three uh, governor, lieutenant governor, and attorney general, Republican, uh, and especially Christian and pro-life. So that, I think, can be replicated, and I think in large part will be replicated around the country, in addition to poll watching that is at a higher level this year than I think I've seen before. You have about half of the states that have passed, and these basically red and blue states, essentially, that have passed, but even some of the blue states have passed some laws as well. Not so good, necessarily. Uh, election reform laws. Some have tightened down on the mail-in ballots, which are the biggest area of fraud, but some, unfortunately, have actually loosened them as well. Uh, But I think you're going to have better laws in 2022, generally across the board, than what we had in 2020. Matt Staver with us, and as we go to phone lines here today, again, our number, 800-733-9829. I should mention from Frank Gaffney's piece that he said a good news on the election integrity front, and that is that the uh, fight from uh, uh, the true, the votes, uh, individuals, Catherine Ingebrecht and Greg Phillips, both have been released now, what he called wrongful imprisonment on contempt of court charges. So uh, he says, congratulations, folks, now back to work, where it's needed more than ever. Let's uh, go to the phone lines here today. We're going to begin in Bainbridge, Ohio. Blanche, thanks for calling Crosstalk. You're on the air. Yes, thank you, Jim, for taking my call. And the thing of it is, I want to say, first off, is about killing these babies. And they say they're teaching these babies aren't nothing but a blob. Well, when those babies, when those two cells meet together, they become live. 
when they meet together, they're alive. Mm-hmm. Because if they weren't alive, they couldn't grow. And uh, it's a horrible thing that's going on in our country. It's a horrible thing. Yeah. And there's so many ballots out there, so many, many things on there that I believe it's. I believe the devil and his uh, angels are out there for doing this. And the two Republicans that are, have went with the Democrats on this, can you tell me their names? And uh, who, what they are, and any is there any in Ohio? You said the two Republicans on what, ma'am? That went to the Democrats, went with the Democrats on these laws to kill babies and all this stuff. On oh, the abortion issue? Oh, the two yes. Republicans that went with the Democrats, yes. Uh, the, well, the vote hasn't happened yet, um, but they are trying to pass this abortion bill in Congress, and the two Republicans are, uh, that's all 50 Democrats, and two Republicans would be Senator Susan Collins from Maine and Senator Lisa Murkowski from Alaska. Lisa Okay, I'm, I'm sorry, Susan Collins, but I didn't hear the other. Right. But anyway, I can't go with that, but I'm going to tell you, I voted, and I voted in, uh, straight for uh, people that stand for God. Hmm. And we need to go back to Second Chronicles 714 yeah. and go by that. And these people out here, listen... Don't kill your babies. Don't let your babies take these shots. They're killing them with these shots that they're giving them. Stop this here transgender and all that stuff going on in our country. It's horrible. Thank you, Blanche, for your call here today. Appreciate your thoughts on the election. Uh, let's go to Joe in Laval, Wisconsin. You're on the air, Joe. Hey, uh, good afternoon, Mr. Shire, Mr. Staver. It seems to me there are different tiers in terms of difficulty of pulling off election fraud. And what I mean by that is it sounds like there could be some digital manipulation with the electronic voting, and it seems there might be some ballot harvesting here and there. But what I really don't hear people get away with is trying to forge nomination signatures or trying to, like, take an ID to um, vote when they're unable to. I know, um, at least in Wisconsin, there there have been prosecutions uh, for, you know, forging nomination signatures and presenting fake IDs. Mm-hmm. I will say, though, that sometimes the prosecutor will agree with the defense attorney in order to dismiss the charge, but that's pretty rare. So I think I, I just have a question, then. This leads me to ask Matthew Staver. In, in your opinion, Mr. Staver, what form of election fraud seems to be the easiest to get away with? In our words, you know it's happening, but you just don't see the prosecutions. Okay, thank you. Mail-in ballots. Uh, they've always been because of what you just said. Uh, people that are not eligible to vote, people that forge signatures, people that vote more than once or maybe vote in more than one state. Um, that has always been. And that up until 2020, that was a bipartisan, agreed-upon issue. In fact, you had an election committee that was chaired by former President Jimmy Carter and then also a high-ranking former uh, high-ranking Republican. That committee report came out before, long before 2020, and they pointed out the problems with mail-in ballots. That is the primary area of election fraud. And I think, you know, the 2000 Mules video that if you got a chance to see it, that is just startling where you have video evidence of people going to these mail drop box places at 2 o'clock and 3 o'clock in the morning, stuffing multiple ballots into the drop box. They should only have one, which would be theirs, but they shouldn't have, you know, surgical gloves on while they're doing it and then remove the surgical gloves after they've dropped multiple um, envelopes into these drop boxes. That is that is startling, and that happened in 2020. Yeah. That's on video. Those all should be prosecuted. So I think that's the biggest issue. Beyond that, of course, is I've always been opposed to electronic voting because of the very fact, long before 2020, that I've always felt that it is fraught with fraud, and it is also nothing, nothing is unhackable. Uh, there's very few things that cannot be hacked. Um, some of the biggest security companies in the world, software companies, they've been hacked. So when those are able to be hacked, these kinds of things, if they go online, they're hackable as well. Thank you for the call here, Joe. Let's go to Justin in Middleton. You're on the air, Justin. 
Hi, thank you so much for taking my call. And I live in the state of Wisconsin, but I'm originally from the state of New Mexico, and there's an important election there in the governor race. Um, the current governor they have is very corrupt um, and very strict COVID measures. And um, the current governor that is hopefully going to be elected in Arizona and the uh, governor in Texas that more than likely will be reelected are very strong on, on protecting the border. And so uh, the race between Mark Ronchetti and Michelle Lujan Grisham is very important, and the polls are neck and neck. Hmm. So get out and vote. Thank you, Justin, for that. Um, and, and by the way, folks, we've got some open lines here again, 800-733-9829, 800-733-9829. Uh, Matt, is, he was referring to the New Mexico election there, and we're seeing it in a number of races across this country, neck and neck. I mean, that's how many are describing this, and it depends who is actually going to turn out, who's going to cast those ballots uh, in Tuesday's election. It really is. You know, in a very highly democratic state like New Mexico, you've got a big uh, gubernatorial race that's there on the line. I agree. In fact, uh, the governor that's currently there has been one of the worst with regards to the church lockdowns and so many other things. But one of the things that I think even uh, the democratic pundits agree upon is that in terms of enthusiasm, the Republicans have a higher enthusiasm to go out and vote, which means that more people would likely come out and vote Republican than Democrats. Uh, The Democrats have been deflated, particularly with regards to Biden. Uh, There's so many, you know, snafus that he has done uh, throughout just, you know, two years, not even quite two years. Uh, So the the enthusiasm poll really favors right now the Republicans, which means if that holds true, historically, a higher voter turnout for Republicans. What's really going to matter is not all these polls at the end of the day, how many people turn out to actually vote in tomorrow's election. Let's go to Rich in Burlington. You're on the air, Rich. I have a quick legal question. I'm an election judge in my... um, where we live in Burlington, outside of Burlington, Wisconsin, mm-hmm. can we have Dominion voting machines at the end of the night? The results is electronically transferred to the county. Can I ask for a manual recount of at least one of the races just to check to see if the what's on the paper matches what the machine says? Do I have legal standing to do that? You know, without looking at Wisconsin-specific voter laws, I wouldn't be able to definitively answer that question as to whether you would be able to ask for a recount. However, I'm sure that there's going to be some elections that are within the margin that require a recount, and I think in that situation it would be a good way to check uh, these um, actual ballots uh, versus Uh, If, in fact, you have any kind of paper trail, and that's the problem, is whether you have a paper trail in these situations. If it's all electronic, it's all electronic, and there's no paper trail. That's that's the real big problem that I have with electronic, and I've always had this problem, electronic voting. Absent a paper trail, it's really difficult Mm -hmm. to determine whether there was a miscount or fraud that was done in the process. Thank you, Rich. We've got Linda in Columbus, Nebraska. You're on the air, Linda. Hi, good afternoon, Tim and Matt. Thanks for taking my call. I use an electronic voting, electronic voting machine because I am a totally blind individual mm-hmm. who wants to vote independently. We have special machines that are um, with speech, um, text-to-speech, and it reads the paper ballot to us. Mm-hmm. And there's a keypad where we can, you know, forward and, and back and select and stuff. And actually, those machines are, um, we encourage other people to use them because they are safe. So electronic voting machines in that respect are very helpful to us to vote independently. Thank Great. you. Thank you, Linda, for that. We're up against a break. We'll have Matt give a comment right afterwards. This is Crosstalk on VCY America, Election Day tomorrow, and uh, focusing on important issues. We'll be back in just one minute. 
For the Worldview Report, I'm Brandon House. Our website is worldviewreport.com. For the last two days, I've had Trevor Loudon in my television studio. He's the author of two very important books, Part 1 and Part 2, Security Risk Senators. He goes into the U.S. senators that have ties directly back to well-known communist and socialist and Marxist organizations, many of them who troubling have ties to China. Many of them also have ties to Islamic groups like CARE, Council on American-Islamic Relations, which is really a front group for Hamas, which is a front group for Muslim Brotherhood. This is the red-green axis, the red being the Marxist, the green being represented by the Islamic flags of Islamic nations. And they're working together to bring down America. And many of these U.S. senators, 30 of them, 30 of them in your U.S. Senate, my friends, are tied back to this red-green axis. We have been invaded from within. You can find out more at TrevorLoudon.com. I highly recommend his book. This is Crosstalk on VCY America. Constitutional Attorney Matt Staver with us from Liberty Council. He just had a landmark win before the U.S. Supreme Court earlier this year. Uh, he is the uh, an author, host of radio broadcast Faith and Freedom and Freedom's Call, and uh, here with us today talking about Election Day tomorrow. Matt, uh, just before the break, an individual uh, with a disability indicating that uh, how the electronic voting machine has been a help to them in that regard. Your follow-up comment. Well, yes, Linda's uh, comment was very uh, good uh, comment. But let me just uh, say another side of that particular situation. There are other ways besides electronic voting machines to be able to accommodate someone who, um, for example, is blind. Uh, number one, you could have someone who is certified to be able to communicate with that person and be able to uh, put on a paper ballot the specific candidate uh, that they select. You could also have Braille that would be available as well. You'd say, well, that's more expensive. Well, you know, voting is a very critical issue, and we need to make sure that it's very secure. There is no electronic system that's safe. There's no electronic system that is foolproof. Because you don't know, for example, someone could create an algorithm, and, you know, you don't know. You don't know this. Every time, you know, you take, for example, Biden and Trump, Every um, fifth time that somebody votes for Trump, it comes up Biden. You don't know what is running behind that. You just know that you push this particular button. You assume that it's actually recording what you wanted to record, but you don't have any proof of it, and there's no way to determine the accuracy of what you just did. We have several callers lined up. We'll get as many as we can in with us. Uh, we're going to begin. Let's see. Next caller has been uh, Tucson, Arizona. And Beth, you're on the air. Oh, hello. I want to thank you both for your godly leadership. Just a question about to pray. Remember Abraham, of course, with uh, Sodom and Gomorrah, and then Jonah, and Nineveh had a delay. So for his mercy, isn't that a proper way, the mercy of the righteous and the gospel that goes out of our nation? Thank you. Thank you. And uh, indeed, uh, the power of prayer, Matt, uh, Scripture says, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Yeah, I mean, all those examples and so many others, uh, they were done because of prayer. I mean, this is what happens with regards to Esther, remember? All the Jews are going to be killed, and what mm -hmm. did they do? They had no way to reverse it, no lobbying, no voting was available. The decree was issued. It was a death decree. There was a certain day. They're all going to be gone. So what do you do? They prayed, and, and a miracle happened. And so today the, the Jewish people celebrate the Feast of Purim, and yet that old Persian nation is gone. At least that Persian dynasty is gone. Uh, the Jewish people survived, and they're surviving today. So it all was accomplished through prayer, and I agree 100% um, that we need to pray for our country tomorrow and continuing. Our next caller, also from Tucson, Greg, you're on the air. Uh, thank you. Um, I respectfully, I want to say I respectfully disagree. Um, as a Christian, I remember James Dobson taking an oath in 1990, that he would never vote for a politician who would kill single babies. And then he went back against that oath. I've taken an oath, and I've signed the Equal Protection for Posterity Pledge that Tom Hoefling and Alan Keyes have been promoting. And that means I will not vote 
for any politician, including Kerry Lake running here in Arizona, because she would propose laws that would kill babies. And not only that, the Republican cover-up for her around her friendship with a drag queen astounds me. But uh, I know we disagree, um, but I don't see God allowing anyone to ensconce into law, as Kerry Lake would, the killing of babies. Okay, thank you. Thank you, Greg, for the comment. Any response, Matt? Well, I, you know, voting is the appointment of an agent, and that agent acts on your behalf. I will not kill a baby. I will not appoint an agent through voting to kill a baby because that act will be imputed to me. So I agree with you. I don't see any disagreement there. I, I will not empower or appoint as an agent somebody to act on my behalf to do exactly opposite, particularly on fundamental issues. They're, they may disagree on taxes or something of that nature, but when it comes to the issue of irrefutable, unchangeable, uncompromisable matters such as life, I'm not going to appoint someone that is good on everything else, but they're going to go out and kill a child because I'm appointing that person as an agent to act on my behalf, and I will be held responsible for that. And, Greg, you're saying that because she would allow for abortion in the cases of rape and incest. Is that correct? Oh, oh, even even more. She agreed with the Texas heartbeat law. She'll do whatever the Arizona court instructs her Mm -hmm. to do, no matter what. Okay, okay. So uh, because she would be in favor of a Texas heartbeat law or or the uh, exception for rape and incest, you're saying, Greg, you cannot vote for her, and, and thank you for sharing your perspective on it. Yeah, and my comment wasn't with regards to Carrie Lake, um, because I, I, I don't think that she is that, you know, <clears throat> she, she may have some differences on some aspects of that, but my comment was in general. I'm not going to appoint somebody who's going to authorize abortion through all nine months of pregnancy, for example. Lexington, Kentucky, our final call. Connor, you're on the air. Hi, uh, we've got an, uh, an amendment. Uh, sorry, we have an, a constitutional amendment up for vote here in the Commonwealth mm-hmm. of Kentucky uh, tomorrow, and I've seen from the Lexington mayor's race, which is second biggest city in Kentucky, but it's also a liberal haven of uh, the mayors, both of the mayors that are up for election, discussing uh, enshrining abortion into the city and protecting that right. Um, if the amendment does pass and the con- the Kentucky Constitution is enshrined as not being able to support uh, abortion, uh, I just want to see Matt Staver's thoughts so, or opinions on that. Uh, yeah, so what? Yeah, we- say, I think it would fall in the same situation where you have a state law that says uh, murder is a crime. A city or a county can't pass a law that says, well, murder in this city is not a crime. I think it would be the same thing with regards to abortion. Mm -hmm. So I I can't see that the city would have the authority to do this and and pass it as an abortion sanctuary city, for example, or abortion is permissible uh, when it was prohibited on a statewide level. Thank you for the call. Matt, uh, we've got 30 seconds remaining here. It's imperative for Christians to be out and to vote, to know, and to vote biblically. Yeah, absolutely. I think you need to vote biblically as you believe and act on Sunday. Do the same thing on Tuesday and all the other days of the week. Extend your biblical values to people that you're appointing as an agent because they are your agent. They are acting on your behalf. And choose wisely and choose biblical godly leaders to the best extent possible. And friends, we encourage you also to vote prayerfully. And uh, Matt, thank you for being with us. Thank you. My pleasure. Matt Staver from Liberty Council, LC.org. Friends, thanks for joining us today on Crosstalk. You've been listening to Crosstalk via satellite and the Internet from BCY America. Views expressed may or may not be those of this station. For a CD of today's program, send a donation of $6 or more to VCY Tape Ministry, 3434 West Kilbourne Avenue, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, 53208. Or download by RSS or podcast from CrosstalkAmerica.com. And join us again for Crosstalk.